Hey, what's up, everybody? Sean Eaton here. Welcome to this episode of the Tips from Crit Podcast, your place for quick tips about pre-hospital emergency and critical care transport medicine. In this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be going over what's new from the American Burn Association and the Advanced Burn Life Support on how we should be fluid resuscitating our patients in the pre-hospital environment. This not only applies to the EMS side of patient care, but it also applies to the early emergency room management of burn patients, as well as the transport environment. We're going to simplify how you determine how much fluid you're going to give to your patients in that early phase of fluid resuscitation after a burn injury. And I'm going to give you a quick little tip on how you can quickly decide how much fluid you're going to give to your patients. So if you're ready, I want you to sit back, relax, plug in those headphones, and let's get started. When I started my career in 2001, the way we managed patients who had burns was we basically just gave them a bunch of fluid and we said, they're going to figure it out when the patient gets to the hospital. And then we started applying some kind of um, formulas to the way we calculated how much fluid a patient was going to need. And we started off with Parkland formula, which was developed in the late 60s. And we were calculating fluid resuscitation on patients that had 5% burns. We'd bring the patient into the hospital. We'd say, oh, they got a total body surface area burn of 5%, but a second degree. I've done Parkland formula. This is how much fluid they've got. And we were running them at like 50 cc's an hour. Okay, It didn't really make sense. But when we had these patients who had significant burns, what we were finding is that these patients were coming in and they were fluid overloaded. And then once they made their way to the burn center, they would third space a lot of this fluid. They'd get really puffy and it would really complicate their management down the road. So at some point, the American Burn Association figured this out and they said, you know what, we're giving our patients too much fluid. We're going to go ahead and change this and we're going to say we're going to use the modified Brooks formula. Okay. And the modified Brooks formula basically said for adults, we're going to give them two mLs per kilo times total body surface area burned. And for kids, we're going to give them a little bit more. Okay. We're going to give them three mLs per kilo. But this didn't take into consideration um, those inhalation burns or the uh, electrical burns. Okay. And so we had to kind of figure out how are we going to incorporate those burns into these patients. Along comes the consensus formula. And the consensus formula said, we're going to give patients somewhere between 2 and 4 mLs per kilo uh, times total body surface area burned. But we're only going to do that for large burns. We're only going to do that for burns that are greater than 20% total body surface area or a patient who has um, high voltage injuries with signs of myoglobinuremia or heme proteins being dumped into the urine. So the consensus formula is primarily what burn centers are going to be using today. Okay, And basically what it says is a patient who is 15 years or older and greater than 40 kilograms, we're going to give those patients 2 mLs per kilo. So for a pediatric patient who is younger than 15 and less than 40 kilos, we're going to give them 3 mLs per kilo times total body surface area burned, second and third degree burns only. For adult patients with high voltage electrical injuries with signs of myoglobinuremia, those patients were going to bump their fluid and we're going to give them 4 mLs per kilo times total body surface area burned until their urine clears. The reason we want to do that is we want to really flush through that heme protein through their kidneys to prevent that acute kidney injury. 
Okay, so four mLs per kilo times total body surface area burned until the urine clears, and then we're going to revert back to their standard fluid resuscitation, which is two mLs per kilo. Now, what if you have a pediatric patient with a high voltage electrical injury? The consensus formula doesn't really take that into consideration. What the American Burn Association recommends is in that case, contact your pediatric burn center and consult with an intensivist there. Okay, just like with Parkland formula, when we are fluid resuscitating these patients, we're still going to give them 50% of our calculated fluid over the first eight hours, and then the other 50% over the next 16 hours. Now, there's one key thing that I want to make note here is time zero starts when the patient is injured. So if there is a delay from the time the patient is injured to when fluid resuscitation begins you're going to reduce that first eight-hour time block down. So say it's been two hours from the time the patient has been injured to the time they start receiving fluid resuscitation. You're going to give that first 50% of fluid over six hours, not eight hours. The previous thought was that we were going to fluid bolus those patients because they were already behind to catch them up, and then we would start our eight-hour fluid infusion. And what we started to see was these patients were having significant fluid overloads, and they were having more complications associated with that large bolus. See, patients with significant burns, they actually have decreased myocardial um, contractility. It actually stunts the myocardium, and so now you've got this stunted myocardium and you're giving them a lot of fluid and the heart just simply can't move that fluid very well. And so these patients would develop pulmonary edema and lots of complications associated with fluid overload. Now, that's all fine and dandy, okay? But we're going to make this even a little bit more simple for the pre-hospital and early uh, hospital uh, patients, okay? So those patients that you pick up in the field, You just need to get them to the trauma center or get them to the burn center rather than going through this whole process of trying to estimate total body surface area burned and then do your Parkland calculation or do your consensus formula calculation. The American Burn Association makes this really easy. And this is the recommended way that we manage these burn patients in the pre-hospital environment now. We're going to estimate their total body surface area burned. If that total body surface area burn is 20% or greater, then we're going to start fluid resuscitation. If they don't have burns greater than 20% total body surface area of second and third degree burns, we don't count first degree burns, we're just going to give them standard maintenance fluid. Okay, so quick way to calculate approximately 20%, we know that really using the rule of nines, each arm is 9%. So if they've got both arms circumferentially burned, that's 18%. Maybe they've got a little bit of extra bleed over into their shoulders. Okay. We know that that can be, that's going to be pretty close to 20%. If they have one leg, that's 18%. It's close enough. You can use these approximations to say, this is close enough to 20%. I'm going to start fluid resuscitation. If their anterior trunk is burned, that's 18% we can start fluid resuscitation, okay? Because it's probable, one, that that's going to extend into other regions as that burn evolves, and two, they probably have other injuries, uh, other burn injuries elsewhere on their body that you just haven't taken into consideration. 
If the patient has greater than 20% total body surface area burned of second and third degree, you're going to start fluid resuscitation. The preferred fluid is lactated ringers, and that's because these patients are going to be getting a large amount of fluid, and we don't want to cause that hyperchloremic metabolic acidosis that's associated with normal saline. We also get some buffering of the acidosis from the lactate when it's converted to bicarb. So how much fluid are you going to give them? Okay, here's, here's where it gets really simple. Adults, 500 mLs per hour. Pediatrics, 250 mLs per hour. Infants, 125 mLs per hour. Okay, and I say infants, what it really should say is young children. So adults, what, cla- what constitutes an adult? The American Bird Association classifies any patient 14 years old and older as an adult. A pediatric or a child is between 6 and 13. They get 250 mLs an hour. And a young child, anyone younger than 5, they get 125 mLs per hour. So this is really easy. If they have greater than 25% total body surface area burn, second and third degree, and they are older than 14, 500 mLs per hour until you get them to the to the receiving hospital. At that point, they may continue with that normal resuscitation, or they may decide to do a an accurate calculation of their total body surface area burn and then calculate their fluid resuscitation. A lot of times they will just defer to the burn center because the burn centers are the experts in actually doing an accurate calculation of total body surface area burned. Just like we approximate total body surface area burned, we can approximate age. And the way I simplify this is the rule of fives. If they're 5 and under, it's 125. If they're between 5 and 15, give them 250. If they're older than 15, give them 500. 5, 5 to 15, 15. It makes it real simple. 500, 250, 125. Start your fluid resuscitation. Just run it at that standard infusion rate and get them to the hospital. Now, what about in the transport environment? Okay, Once accurate total body surface area is determined, then you're going to follow that fluid resuscitation regimen. Now, there are other reasons why you might need to give patients additional fluid above and beyond what you're giving them for fluid resuscitation, okay? So any pediatric patient less than 30 kilos, they need maintenance fluid in addition to their fluid resuscitation. And this is maintenance fluid. uh, Typically, it's D5LR in order to replace that fluid that's lost through breathing, digestion, sweating, etc., etc. Okay, so kids less than 30 kilos, they're going to get maintenance fluid. Remember your 421. They're going to get 4 cc's per kilo per hour for the first 10 kilograms of weight. They're going to get 2 cc's per kilo per hour for the next 10 kilos of weight. And then 1 cc per kilo per hour for everything over 20. So a kid who's 30 kilograms, they're going to get 70 cc's per hour of D5LR. Okay, what about a patient who is hypotensive? They still need that 20 cc's per kilo fluid bolus. So potentially you've got a trauma patient who's under 30 kilos and they're burned. They're hypotensive. You still need to give them fluid resuscitation for their hypotension. So 20 cc's per kilo fluid bolus. Once you get that blood pressure up, 
maybe you're giving them blood, maybe you're giving them TXA, whatever it is, then you're going to start them on their fluid resuscitation for their burn. So 125, 250, 500 cc's per hour. And then on top of that, they're also going to get their maintenance fluid if they're under 30 kilos. All right, so what are our goals here, right? We're, we're protecting the kidneys. We're maintaining circulating volume. We want to prevent hypothermia, of course. We want to prevent these electrolyte imbalances, and we want to maintain normal blood sugar range. That's why these kids with high metabolisms need that glucose in order to prevent them from depleting their glucose stores. Now, I mentioned urine output and protecting the kidneys, right? If you're doing an interfacility transfer, you must have a Foley catheter in place because in reality, the burn center's going to want to monitor their urine output and titrate fluid based on their urine output. That is the whole process here. We know that burn patients, their heart rate is up because of the stress associated with the burn. We know that they start to third space, and so peripheral blood pressures are not always the most accurate. And even central uh, arterial blood pressures can be off because of fluctuations in circulating volume. And so the American Burn Association basically says that we're going to use kidney or renal perfusion and urine output as a surrogate to adequate fluid resuscitation. Because if a patient is under-resuscitated, if their blood pressure is low, one of the first things that the body does is it shunts blood away from the kidneys. So if your patient is producing urine, and they're adequately fluid resuscitated, they should be in these target goals. So like I've said, for adults, your target urine output is 0.5 cc's per kilo per hour, somewhere between 30 and 50 cc's per hour is normal. A young child less than 30 kilos is one cc per kilo per hour. And then any adult with high voltage electrical injuries and indications or signs of myoglobinuremia, so that T-colored uh urine 1.5 cc's per kilo per hour or somewhere between 75 and 100 mls per hour of urine until the urine clears and then at that point you're going to titrate your fluid down to that normal 0.5 cc's per kilo per hour urine output target range now does it matter if you're a little bit off no the way i think about it look at the, the patient if they appear to be of adult size you're targeting f- 0.5 cc's per kilo per hour if they look like they are a child somewhere between 1 and 1.5 for those little guys is your goal. And then once they get to the burn center, then they're going to really dial it in. The key is you're monitoring urine output and you want to make sure that you're providing adequate fluid resuscitation to keep those kidneys producing urine. If you're transporting a patient and they're not making urine after a burn, you need to be increasing that fluid. You need to be cranking it and getting those kidneys flushed through because otherwise they're at risk of permanent renal damage. So the take-home points that I want you to remember, burn resuscitation is only necessary for second and third degree burns greater than 20%. If it's less than 20% total body surface area burned, just give maintenance fluid. Use your 421. Doesn't matter if they're a, an adult or a kid, it still works. The easiest way to remember initial fluid resuscitation rates is to just remember 5 and 15. This will get you in the ballpark. So if they are 5 and under, 125 cc's per hour. If they are between 5 and 15, give them 250. And if they're over 15 years old, give them 500.
Use lactated ringers if available. If not, normal saline is just fine, but switch out to LR as soon as you can. Remember, uh, ringers lactate causes less acidosis than normal saline, especially when we're giving large volumes. Once the patient reaches the burn center, uh, their fluids will be titrated based on their urine output. And if you're doing it uh, in our facility, we want to make sure that our patients have a Foley catheter in place so that we can monitor their urine output as well and continue that therapy or adjust it according to the patient's needs. And then for the FPC, the CCPC, or even the CFRN exam, you're still going to need to know how to calculate total body surface area burn and how to calculate fluid resuscitation rates. For the FPC and the CCPC, they're still, as far as I know at the time I recorded this podcast, still using the rule of nines and Parkland. You need to know the consensus formula for recall questions, but if there's a question that specifically asks you to determine fluid resuscitation and it is not obvious when you look at the answers that the standard fluid resuscitation rates are what they're looking for, then make sure you use the rule of nines, determine your total body surface area burned, and then calculate your fluid resuscitation goals based on Parkland formula. That's all I have for this episode of the podcast. There's some more uh, information and references and resources over in the show notes, which you can find over at flightcrit.com. This is episode 12 of the podcast. I sure hope you enjoyed this. If you have a question or comment that you'd like to send in and potentially have featured on a future episode of the podcast, you can click on the box over in the right-hand side of the page over at flightcrit.com. There's a blue little button that says start recording and you can send me a comment straight from the website or from your smartphone. Uh, If you have not yet signed up uh, and subscribed to the podcast, please do so. And if you like this podcast, please leave me a rating and leave me a comment over on iTunes. It sure does help more people find the show. That's all I have to say. Until next time, remember, education is good, but excellence through collaborations is much better. Stay safe, live well, and I'll catch you on the next episode of the Tips from Crypt podcast. Bye for now.